0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. You're back in the House of Mystery, and we are talking turkey today. So, <laughs> on the interview, we have an author that's uh, written about his experience, um, you might say, and we'll get right into it. So, we're talking about uh, the book Turkey Street, and uh, Jack and Liam moved to uh, Bodrum. Uh, Jack, Scott, thank you for being here.
1: Uh, thank you for inviting me.
0: <laughs> so, now, um, let's, let's talk about your, your writing. There There's two, two books, I believe. Um, yes, indeed. What what brought you to um, actually write and share your experience? What what was it that uh, made you do oh,
1: Okay, um, well, we when we moved to, to Turkey, Turkey, um, which is some a few years ago now. We moved there in two thousand and eight, um, the end end of two thousand and eight. Um, we kind of semi-retired or at least We retired early, ridiculously early, really, from a, a couple of very busy lives in London with busy jobs and. Um, and we decided to give it all up, and then uh, we moved to Turkey, and um, it, it it was fantastic. It was a wonderful place, and we we, we rented a wonderful house that overlooked the Aegean Sea, and you know we had the most glorious sunsets. But after about six months months, we got a bit bored hmm. looking at the sunsets, as, as gorgeous and as wonderful as they were. Um, and so, um, w- one lesson that we learned about living uh, overseas is that a lot of people are experts expats see, see it as, uh, or co- focus on the journey rather than the destination, so they see it as, as I want to go and live in the sun. So they make plans to go and live in the sun and it's a fantastic thing they do. But when they get there, they haven't really thought about what they're going to they're do. And everybody needs an occupation. Everybody needs something to do, something to get out of bed for in the morning. And we did get a bit bored, bored so, so we didn't have an occupation. So a friend of mine said to me, well, lots of interesting things were happening around us. We met lots of interesting people. Um, why don't you start blogging?" Blogging. So I'd never blogged before, I'd never really thought about it, and uh, so I, but I did, I started to blog, um, and almost overnight the blog became instantly popular. I don't know why, you know, I, I, even to this day I can't, I can't understand why pe- people were possibly interested in my random ramblings about our lives in Turkey. But uh, in a period of about four or five months it became the most popular English-language blog in Turkey um of its type obviously there are more popular bl- bl- blogs around things like travel and, um, uh, uh, and archaeology because uh, turkey is a great place for for that sort of thing um but in terms of a kind of a kind of gossipy uh, narrative of life in turkey it became extraordinarily popular so um i was a- i was approached by a publisher who thought that i mu- there might be a book in it hm uh, so okay i thought oh oh i never even thought about that why not so I started writing it, and um, uh, the first book, which was called Perking the Pansies, which mirrored the the name of the blog, um, was published in, uh, in the end of two thousand and nine, and did very very well. Um, so that's kind of how I got to write the book um, about our time there. Um, it, was, it was an interesting time, uh, interesting for us. A lot of the theme really was because we were a gay couple; we'd recently married in in, in London. And we, in effect, emigrated to what is a Muslim country, a Muslim majority country, and a lot of people were interested in that kind of angle. What, what were we doing there? How would people respond to us? How would people, how would people react? Um, and, you know, I've kind of wrote a little bit about, about that too. Um, I tried to keep it light and frothy, but there was also some interesting things that came out as we lived there too. So right. That's kind of how we got there. Well,
0: well, well, first of all, what brought you to Turkey? Like, why did you guys go there? Uh, purely
1: practical reasons, I've been travelling to Turkey for um, a, n- a number of years on holiday. Um, so I knew the country reasonably well, but only as a tourist. And I'm a little a little bit of a history buff, and I do like ancient history, and of course, in Turkey, there's a kind of ancient sites on every hill, every hill, you know, it's, 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 the place is littered with ancient cities. Um, uh, so I've always been attracted to it. And so I knew about about, uh, Turkey, I knew a little bit about its history, I knew about its people, I knew even though it's a Muslim country, it's a secular Muslim country, so, uh, and, and for example, homosexuality um, is, is not even mentioned in the Turkish Penal Code, it's not Saudi Arabia, it's not Iran, it's completely different, um, and I liked it very much, and we actually also had our honeymoon there, so we spent uh, two wonderful weeks. Mm. On honeymoon there, and I've been there with previous partners, and, and never had a, 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 a difficult time or a, a, or, or, or a poor response from the people around us. People are always delightful. That was one of the reasons. Another reason was we only had so had so much money to spend, spend, and, and Turkey was at the time a relatively cheap destination. Yeah. Um, so we knew we could live there on with the, on the funds that we had.
0: Um w- w- weren't you worried about going to a muslim country being that uh you know being a gay couple um is not exactly uh, appropriate for them in in the muslim religion
1: It's not but as a secular a secular country we were protected um under the law and and uh there is a great tradition amongst muslim countries or, or islamic religion of hospitality, hospitality. so so, and also, uh, Turkey is one of the major destinations for British tourists. Uh, and we uh, we didn't go to a remote area of Turkey, we went to Bodrum, which is a very western-leaning, very western uh, resort um, on the Aegean. So we knew what we were doing. Um, I have to say, uh, ironically, I suppose, the, the only bad vibe we ever got from anybody about us was from our fellow expats, not from the Turks we lived around. Or, or they lived around us. And in Bodrum, in fact, we, we lived in two, place, two places in Turkey. We rented a house in a small resort called Yalagavak near Bodrum, and then after a year we moved into Bodrum town itself. And we lived, um, we rented a house from an elderly uh, Turkish couple. We lived next door and around lots of Turkish people, and I can say we never got a bad uh, experience from anyone. Um, we did get response, responses from, from some of the expats, um, maybe because they were a generation above us, maybe because they were conservative thinking. Um, so that's the only time we ever felt uncomfortable, hmm. and I'd and I say that with sincerity. Honestly, the, the Turkish people were open and welcoming to us. But then, of course, we weren't Turkish. Had we been Turkish, it might be a different um, situation.
0: Right. What was the biggest surprise then? What was the, what shocked you or you, you just didn't expect?
1: I, honestly, I don't, think, we, I don't think there was anything we didn't expect um, um, at all, in fact. As I said, we, I, I personally been going to Turkey for about 15 years, regularly. Uh, uh, so, and, and, and we lived in a western part, western leading part of, part of Turkey. So, there weren't, weren't any surprises in it for me at all, uh, particularly. It was a very easy transition.
0: Wow. Um, so, yeah. how how did your life change then? Like, what was what was different about your life in Turkey? Of course, other than the, you know, the the, the weather and it's not going to rain so much and all that stuff. But um, well, yeah.
1: well, you think you think, do you? that's not entirely true. One thing I, I say, it's interesting what you say about what surprised me. And I have just thought of something. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever tells you that the Mediterranean in January isn't that pleasant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that has not been in the brochures. No. Uh, um, we had the most enormous storms, um, and we in Bodrum in particular, we had water running, running down the streets, um, and floods and uh, biblical, uh, biblical proportions. It was extraordinary. I mean, I you know I live in 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 England. England is known for rain, but nothing prepared us for the rain that was going to be coming down in Turkey during January and February. It's a very short winter. It's a short, sharp winter. It's not particularly cold, but it's all it's also not particularly warm and um Turkish houses aren't really built for cold um, not like Canadian houses and to a certain extent except British houses so so there was no heating anything in the winter so we had to find different ways in which to stay warm um so that was a bit of shock to be honest and, and, and it just occurred to me after, after you asked the question because as I say it's not nothing is written about how how, it's, how it can be like um uh, we did also we visited Istanbul while we were there and and, uh, and it, it snowed and I wasn't expecting it to snow in Istanbul uh, um, So you know winters can can be harsh.
0: Um,
1: So, but in terms of the way our lives changed, I think what we we had fairly fairly high powered jobs, I guess, in London. Um, We had you know we had a career, both had careers, and uh, and um, we gave all that up, and and we also gave up the salaries that go with it. Um, So we learned the thing we learned to do is live better with less. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So the quality of our life increased even though we had much, much less in terms of disposable income. Um, and it's easy to do that in Turkey because the cost of living is much lower um, than it is in, in Western Europe. Um, so, uh, And we learned to cook properly. You know, we stopped um, buying convenience food because you can't really buy convenience food. You know, you, right. you have when you go to the supermarkets there or you go to the markets, you buy fresh vegetables, you buy fresh produce, and you cook from scratch. That's kind of how everybody does it. So we kind of learn to do that. I mean, uh, 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 Liam is my husband; he's quite a good cook anyway. So we kind of knew how to do that. I'm not the best cook in the world, but so you learn to do that, and you learn to slow things down, and you learn to uh, spend more quality time um, on the things that you want to do. Um, and, but I guess we were kind of living on about a quarter of our income. Right. Uh, being used to, now when we came back to England, we brought that mentality back with us. So we don't have, we didn't go back to work in the same way, and we do work, but it's not the same. Um, and so our salaries are much less, and therefore, you know, we can't. We used to ex- spend lots of money on expensive holidays and what have you. We can't do that anymore. But I think we did better. I think the quality is better. So that's one lesson that we did learn,
0: huh.
1: and something that we brought
0: with us. So that was kind of a major change for you. So it kind of made you look at how you lived your life. Yes, I think
1: it did. Absolutely did. You know, it, you know, your priorities change. Um, and um, you know, we uh, not to dwell on it, but we've had some 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 recent deaths around us in, in the last recent years, and it made us think that um, you know. We, it could be us. We could be dead tomorrow. Um, so let's kind of live a life that makes us happy, and that isn't always about material things. Yeah, um, yeah. Everybody yeah. needs the basic minimum. Everybody needs to be able to, you know, heat, light, and, and what have you. But um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to preach poverty here. It's just, but it's about slowing down. We were on a really, really bad treadmill in London, in the sense it was very fast life uh we, we have both had busy jobs we were tired all the time you know and then we used to spend loads of money on going on expensive holidays um and we just don't do that anymore yeah so we go for walks you know and we go to the park and have a slow pint and we have you know huh.
0: so it's, yeah. it's actually really changed your life in a way absolutely
1: absolutely in a way that in a way that most people don't get a chance to do we did it very early I and mean, i think it was i would have been 49 48 and 49 when we left, and um, people don't generally retire at 48 and 49, so uh, we we got to do it early, and we managed to maintain that, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, What brought you back then to the UK? Family issues
1: uh, in the main, uh, mostly Liam's family. His parents were elderly and both had developed dementia. Uh, and Liam also had a, um, uh, a profoundly disabled brother um, and things started getting quite difficult uh, for the family so we came back to help. Um, sadly all three of them have now died um, so it's been quite a rough from, from that point of view. it's been quite a rough few, few years but it's so in a sense we jumped out to Turkey we took it was a window of opportunity we grabbed it while we could because we always knew we always did know that things would, have, would drag us back So Hmm. we we took the opportunity when we could.
0: Within within Turkey now, uh, so how did you find um, gay life? Like, how how, what was the uh, lifestyle like there? Did there was there gay communities, gay clubs, all that, or what? Try to explain that, maybe. Yeah, it's not quite. uh, There there
1: are in Istanbul there are traditional style gay bars and clubs that we would all recognise. Um, but out elsewhere um, you, you won't really find that. Uh, sexuality can be quite ambiguous in the Muslim world, um, so it, it isn't always obvious. We didn't in, indulge at all, we were very happy being together, so we didn't need a gay scene and we didn't seek one out. We did know some gay people while we were there, and we made friends with some gay people, but um, it wasn't something that was, was uh, important to us. Um, so there were lots of lots of discreet liaisons going on and some discrete bars right but a, but a kind of Western gay scene doesn't really exist outside the, outside the main cities sure. that's not un, that uncommon though even right. in Western countries I'm sure in Canada there isn't a gay bar in every corner you know so um, uh, and certainly um, in, in Britain you know uh, it, it's kind of moved on. A bit now, hasn't it really? The gay, gay scene isn't quite what it used to be because, because uh, LGBT um, people in Britain are much more accepted. It, there is, in a sense, less need for a gay scene
0: right there's um, more more mainstream now in in society yes. it, well, I'd say for Canada and Britain and the states in certain parts but not all yeah of um, course and the apps you know people people meet online yeah, and, and yeah. things like that so
1: well um, I've always always said you know primarily when I was younger you used to go to a, gay bar to a gay bar to pick up on a Saturday night truthfully I mean um, yeah. and um, you know you don't need to do that anymore so you know you, you can do use the apps it's a lot cheaper. Why spend, you know, Saturday night propping up a bar in the hope of meeting somebody? It's expensive. It's a bit of a faff, isn't it, really? You have to get yeah. there, get back when you can, you know. Yeah. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of gay bars in London in particular have closed down because, frankly, people just don't go out like they used to.
0: Right. Um, uh, so, so, but if, if they'd never really had that, did you see a difference in the way that they interact with each other?
1: Well, Muslim, Muslim societies are different in the sense that they're fairly pa- patriarchal and they're quite male-orientated, so you often will see men in Turkey walking down the street hand, holding hands, but that doesn't make them gay. And it doesn't mean they're in a gay relationship. It's a much more subtle uh, society where it's not as obvious, it's not as black and white, it's not as uh, you know as, as simple as that. It's much more nuanced um and so uh, sexuality is as much much more um uh, less defined or traditionally was less defined in muslim countries um because traditionally women didn't leave the home traditionally they stayed at home traditionally they were virgins when they got married and um, traditionally they were kept away from work the world of work so it was a very male in, or uh, male environment and things used to happen there i guess I've never been involved in it because, yeah, but
0: well, it, I mean, it, you were a virgin at home for a while, weren't you? Or <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, Life—it's
1: very different. Different it, it, people think that, that that it ought to be the same, or they're expecting something which is the same, and it's not the same. For me, you know, I, maybe I would have thought that way too. I mean, I came out in the seventies in London. Um, I've always been out. Really, I, I was think I was 16 when I first came out, and um, I had a very supportive family, and that was all fine. Um, uh, so, but things were very gay or not gay in those days. Um, when you go to a country where that's much more nuanced and much more, um, le- the boundaries are less clear. You have to play the game much in a very different way. Um, and so you could have sex with a man in Turkey, and in other Muslim countries too, but they would never say they were gay. And often in Muslim, in, in, in Muslim countries, it's only the passive partner who's gay anyway. That's the way they see it. Okay. If you're active, you're not gay. Uh, it's a different way of lo- looking at it. I'm not defending it, it's weird to me too, because as a, you know, as a, a 70s boy, um, but it's a different way of looking at it and you have to accept that that's the way it is otherwise there's no point being there it didn't trouble us at all because we we, we used to have Turkish men that we we were friends with and we knew were probably gay but it just never came up in conversation at all because it's not a conversation you have
0: Huh? so how did you did you ever feel threatened there no no, not once not ever
1: Um, uh, and you know Bodrum's a big tourist town you know, people go to Bodrum from all over, particularly all over Europe. Um, uh, it's very popular with Germans and with Dutch. Uh, uh, so, um, no, absolutely not. The only problem we had was trying to learn Turkish because living in a tourist town, we did try to learn Turkish. It's a very complex and difficult language to learn. But we did try, but we found that everybody wanted to try their English on us. Right. <laughs> so you want to have a conversation with Turkey in very, very bad, broken all Turkish, and they were they were wanting to practice their English on you, which is which is interesting. So our master mastery of the uh, Turkish language was uh, profoundly disappointing.
0: Hmm. You know, when you go to a country like Turkey, you know, and, and all the ups and downs countries have, were you ever worried about it um, becoming military or becoming having a uh, some sort of catastrophe happening?
1: oh all the time Turkey has a glorious history of military coups
0: yeah. if you, anything about
1: Turkish history um, mostly right wing um, uh, military coups and, and at the moment they have a, a particular um, un, um, nasty piece of work as the president called um, uh, Erdogan, yeah, Erdogan. Yeah. Um, and his party is, is kind of conservative Islamist it's not it's very different from Iran and Saudi Arabia we're not talking about you know that kind of extreme form of Islam, but it's a conservative Islam. I kind of see it very much as maybe some uh, equated with American evangelists, right? Um, who are quite you know preachy and, and 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 you know it's all Bible, 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 and the saying it's Quran, Quran, Quran. But um, he has at least respected the Turkish secular um constitution, which was established by Ataturk back in the, um, the 20s and 30s and it's interesting that you know in Britain for example people get married in the church I'm sure that's true in Canada too um, they get married in a church or a or, or, a, or a synagogue or, or, a, or a temple that is completely unacceptable in Turkey under the Constitution all marriages are civil oh. so so you and in France the same is true in fact Um, you can't get married in, uh, not not people do tend to get married in mosques, but you can't have a religious ceremony. It's not recognized by the state. That's quite interesting when you think about it. Mm. Uh, So it's not dominant, Islam isn't dominant in that sense, in the way that it is in the UK when people get married in church, but that's a religious ceremony.
0: Right. So so the religion isn't necessarily what, you know, um, what do you say, um, gives the um, marriage it's, it's more of the yeah. uh, the law part. The
1: it's the law. And that's actually true in most countries, even in, in the UK, and I've said it certainly must be true in, in Canada too, and, and, and the US. Actually, the legal part of getting married in Britain is the signing of the register. Right. Everything else is rubbish. You know, you, it's all dressing up. You know, it's yeah. all the words that you can say and what have you. It's wonderful stuff, and we went through that, and we had a fantastic time. But actually, the only legal bit is the signing of the register. Um, and that's done and in a church, in this country it's done in a church but it's done at the um, uh, permission of the state. Mm-hmm. So it's not run by the Church of England or whatever church it might be, it's actually the state that says that we're, you're acting as agents of the state if you like. Um, so most people don't realise that, it's the state that controls marriage in most countries. Um, um, and so the religious bit is just dress, all dressing
0: really. Yeah. Uh, oh. where, so w- w- what would you recommend for people um, to do the same thing you did like to go to somewhere like Turkey and live for a while
1: well I wouldn't necessarily say Turkey now I mean I think Turkey has taken a turn um, which is unsure where it's heading um, as I said it's got a glorious history of military coups and there was an attempted coup in recent years which failed um, and you know I don't approve of coups as far, whatever you might say about Erdogan he was democratically elected You know, yeah, um, and and so you know, his time though will pass, like these things happen, you know, like Trump, his time (laughs) will pass,
0: hopefully, Uh, yeah, you know,
1: his time will pass and then things will change. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend Turkey right now, um, because we're in a different world now, economically, because of the pandemic, um, who knows what the shape of things will be in the future. Hmm. Uh, I would recommend nobody to do anything for the moment.
0: Yeah, no, no. Well, did you you feel like they, uh, well, did they have fairly decent medical or support there?
1: Oh, absolutely, yes, yes, sorry. If you're talking about the practicals, Turkey does have a very good state run medical service, but there is also private medical treatment if you wish, um, if you want to pay for it. And it's very economic and very uh, 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 compared to Western countries. It's it's a steal. I did have my teeth completely redone in Turkey for a a very small amount of money compared to what you'd have to pay for in England. Um, But no, the the state system is is, is pretty, pretty good. It's pretty good.
0: Wow. Well, there you go. I'll I'll head there now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you love it. I mean, they've got a huge tradition of
1: hospitality. Food is fantastic. I mean, Turkish cuisine is one of the four great cuisines of the world. Um, If you're interested in history, the place just oozes it. You know, there are more ancient Greek cities in Turkey than there are in Greece, Um, because, of course, the Greek world expanded. I, Bodrum itself is old hali We lived up the road from one of the, uh, the Ancient Wonders of the World, which was the mausoleum of hali Um and so that was up the street from us. So we came out of our door, and we could walk up the street, and there it was. Not much left, not much to see, it has to be said, um, but there you are. We lived on the same street as one of the Ancient, wonder, uh, ancient Wonders of the World. So, so if you're into that kind of thing, and not everybody is, but if you are, it's a fantastic place. Certainly, a fantastic place to visit, and and I would urge people to go because economically they kind of need the money right now. Yeah,
0: um,
1: they really, really do, and things are really tough. Uh, the lira has taken a, a huge, huge um, uh, hit. Um, when we first went to Turkey, the lira was about three lira to the pound. Now it's eight. So you know the currency has dropped through the floor, and that really, really affects people's people's lives.
0: Oh yeah 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 totally. Um, so when, when someone reads your book, when someone picks up one of these two books, um, what do you hope that they walk away with?
1: Well I think I, I hope that they, they, they find it funny. Um, they are fu- they're both funny they're meant to be funny. It, it's, a, it's a kind of jokey thing uh, but wrapped up in some serious stuff too. I do talk about serious stuff. I think it gives, hopefully it gives people a sense that um, that with the right attitude, uh, with uh, a, 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 a sense of adventure and an open mind that uh, gay people, um, particularly to these gay people, um, can live, if you choose well, can live in a place and live very well um, and be accepted. And I think that's what we were. So I'm very grateful for that.
0: Hmm. Really interesting. What do you miss most? Uh, the
1: weather I, you mentioned earlier I have to say you know um, <laughs> the spring weather is fantastic the autumn weather is fantastic the, the summers were very very hot and the winters were much colder than I imagined they would be but yeah the weather I think um, the, the outdoor life the uh, the food is fantastic um, the The fact is that you can travel because, because of its geographical location you can travel to Asia really easily um, which we did a little bit of um, that you can uh, the architecture the history um, the wonderful ambience we lived in Bodrum which has got a fantastic ambiance, it's a wonderful place to live so I do miss that um, yeah
0: hmm. I think that's it really where do, where do you want to go next <laughs> or are you giving uh, it up?
1: we're very happy where we are we live in a very pretty little village um, and you know I'm 60 this year so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, retired really, um, and I, I, I really like where we live. I mean, it's more about travel now. Um, I say I must make it to Canada. I have relatives in Canada. I've, never, I've been to the States a few times, but I've never been to Canada. I must make it to Canada before I die.
0: Well, yeah, it's a it's a good place. It's like yeah. the States, but nice. <laughs> yes, it's, it's the States with, with with healthcare. Yeah, with healthcare and people <laughs> smile and, and yeah. uh, a lot less violence, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You know. It's a bit rough in the winter.
0: Well, it depends on where you are, Um, because in in the West we don't really get much winter. So, um, you know, it rains. Where where are you exactly? Well, my my main home, I'm in the Kelowna area. So I'm in the desert part of of Canada, which the Sonora Desert runs out of the States up through um, the middle part of BC, British Columbia in the West. Okay. And and it's surrounded by two mountain ranges. So what happens is that desert stays... Fairly desert, so it's pretty warm, and um, all the all the wineries are here, and and all the Ah, fruit's grown here. It's all it's kind of like wine country, fruit country. So it's um,
1: sounds um, wonderful.
0: It is actually, and so uh, winter doesn't really um, affect us here. We don't really. Um, get much? We do get some rain, of course, and stuff like sure, that. Sure. But it's nothing major, you know. Not I, used to
1: work, I used to work with a woman from Vancouver, and she um, she said it rained a lot in Vancouver.
0: Oh yeah, rain. So she came to London. She said, "I'm
1: quite at home here. It's fine."
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vancouver and London are very similar. It rains a lot, it, but they're right in the uh, right on the ocean there, right in the coast. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a, a lot of rain there. But um, yeah, it's a good place. It's a good place overall. It's really good. But um, are you going to write some more, or are you kind of done writing?
1: I'm kind of done, really. Um, what I found that although the books did well, particularly the first book, Perkin the Fancies, did extremely well, and I'm very grateful for that. It sort of caught the imagination. Um, some fantastic reviews and some really, really positive feedback. Um, Totally unexpected, you know. I'm I'm a nobody, you know. Nobody knows who I am. I, I, I'm just a guy that lived in Turkey for a while, and the fact that somebody would want to read my my, my Campbell nonsense is um, is is fantastic. Um, but what I found was that although it did very well, it's not going to make money to any large extent. You know, it did well, but um, uh, it, so I ended up ironically working in partnership with my publisher. So now I work with her because we run a small, very not small but niche publisher that that publishes expat related books. Um, and so uh, that's t- she came to me and offered me a publishing contract. Uh, it was her company, and then a few couple of years down the road, she, underst- she I had worked for her, I did a few pieces, p- bits of piece of work for her. She said, "Would you like to come into partnership with me?" So I did, and now I spend my time. Uh, managing other people's books.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, so
1: yeah, and I found I found out that it, you know you make more money working with other people than you do in your own stuff. So there you go.
0: Yeah, it uh, can be that way for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, so we publish f- five to ten books a year, expert-related books. Um, some do very well. Some some do not so well. You yeah. know. So. Um, so i'm constantly proofreading and checking and publishing and um, doing all sorts of stuff on behalf of other authors now yeah. and i quite enjoy doing it really and it keeps you know it keeps me out of the pub
0: so when you when you deal with that so you're you're focusing on expat so are we yeah. talking about just travel or are we talking about all No sorts it's of really
1: people? about no, it's about the expat experience, about living abroad. Um, so that could be a memoir like my own. So it could be somebody that talks about um, where they live. So, for example, we have a couple of titles which is about living in Spain. Uh, we have another title, a uh, very popular, very popular title about living in the Dominican Republic. Um, so, on the, so it could be a memoir about people's experiences of the expat world, but it also could be. Something a bit more academic, it could be around what's called third culture kids, which is the experience of children growing up in um, in uh, cultures which are not their own, or countries in which their parents weren't born. Um, that typically might be uh, uh, somebody who works for Shell, for example, and who has children and then has assignments all over the world, children in various international schools along the way. Um, it could be about that experience. That can be quite alienating for, for, for younger people. So, we have quite a, a few a titles that, that look at that issue and examine that issue. Uh, or it could be travel. So, you know, one of our most popular books is about, um, you know, uh, moving to, to Catalonia in Spain. And, and it's called a travel on kind of thing. So, anything that, 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 that is, is related to the expat experience and travel too um, is something that we're interested in publishing
0: so what's uh, okay let's give your website now what's the website for you or do you have one or maybe your publisher I do I have
1: my website is for my own books is jackscott.info but our publishing company is summertimepublishing.com
0: well that's fantastic what I'll do is I'll make sure that's put up on our website Uh, people listening can just click and find you thank you if they want to send you a, a good note that's great um, <laughs> our, our guest has been Jack Scott for the interview and we're talking about Turkey Street, we're talking about his two books and publishing, thank you for being here Jack thank you,
1: thank you very much
0: you've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show, to find out more about our guests, hosts or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com
1: show is over for now